35, and that the Dutch archives were rich in material on the early history of New York, and led the state legislature to appropriate funds for the systematic gathering from various European archives of transcripts of documents relating to New York. Broadhead was appointed 1841 by Governor William H. Seward to undertake the work, and within several years gathered from England, France and Holland some 80 manuscript volumes of transcriptions, largely of documents which had not hitherto been used by historians. These transcriptions were subsequently edited by Edward O'Callaghan volumes, I.Z.I. included and by Bertold Furno volumes, Z.I. Ixby included and published by the state under the title Documents Relating to the Colonial History of New York 15 Volumes, 1853-1883, from 1846 to 1849, while George Bancroft was minister to Great Britain, Broadhead held under him the post of Secretary of Legation, in 1853-1857 he was Naval Officer of the Port of New York, he published several addresses and a scholarly history of the state of New York 2 volumes, 1853-1871, generally considered the best for the brief period covered 1609-1690. He died in New York City on the 6th of May 1873. Brody, Sir Benjamin Collins, 1st Bart, 1783-1862, English physiologist and surgeon, was born in 1783 at Winterslow, Wiltshire. He received his early education from his father, then choosing medicine as his profession he went to London in 1801, and attended the lectures of John Abernethy. Two years later he became a pupil of Sir Everard Home at Street George's Hospital, and in 1808 was appointed assistant surgeon at that institution, on the staff of which he served for over 30 years. In 1810 he was elected a fellow of the Royal Society to which in the next four or five years he contributed several papers describing original investigations in physiology. At this period also he rapidly obtained a large and lucrative practice, and from time to time he wrote on surgical questions, contributing numerous papers to the Medical and Chirurgical Society, and to the medical journals. Probably his most important work is that entitled Pathological and Surgical Observations on the Diseases of the Joints in which he attempts to trace the beginnings of disease in the different tissues that form a joint, and to give an exact value to the symptom of pain as evidence of organic disease. This volume led to the adoption by surgeons of measures of a conservative nature in the treatment of diseases of the joints, with consequent reduction in the number of amputations and the saving of many limbs and lives. He also wrote on diseases of the urinary organs, and on local nervous affections of a surgical character. In 1854 he published anonymously a volume of psychological inquiries, to a second volume which appeared in 1862 his name was attached. He received many honors during his career. He attended George Ivey, was sergeant surgeon to William Ivey, and Queen Victoria, and was made a baronet in 1834. He became a corresponding member of the French Institute in 1844, DCL of Oxford in 1855 and President of the Royal Society in 1858, and he was the first President of the General Medical Council. He died at Broome Park, Surrey, on the 21st of October 1862. His collected works, with autobiography, were published in 1865 under the editorship of Charles Hawkins, his eldest son, Sir Benjamin Collins Brody, 2nd Bart, 1817-1880 was appointed Professor of Chemistry at Oxford in 1865, and is chiefly known for his investigations on the allotropic states of carbon and for his discovery of graphitic acid. Brody, 
Peter Bellinger 1815-1897, English geologist, son of Phoebe Brody, barrister, and nephew of Sir Benjamin C. Brody, was born in London in 1815, while still residing with his father at Lincoln's Inn Fields, he gained some knowledge of natural history and an interest in fossils from visits to the Museum of the Royal College of Surgeons, at a time when W. Clift was curator. Through the influence of Clift he was elected a fellow of the Geological Society early in 1834, proceeding afterwards to Emmanuel College, Cambridge. He came under the spell of Sedgwick, and henceforth devoted all his leisure time to geology. Entering the church in 1838, he was curate at Wheelie in Wiltshire, and for a short time at Steeple Clayton in Buckinghamshire, becoming later rector of Down Hatherley in Gloucestershire and finally 1855 vicar of Rowington in Warwickshire, and Rural Dean. Records of geological observations in all these districts were published by him. At Cambridge he obtained fossil shells from the Pleistocene deposit at Barnwell, in the Vale of Warder he discovered in Kerbeck beds the isopod named by Milne Edwards Archeonescus Brodier. In Buckinghamshire he described the outliers of Kerbeck and V.04P.0626 Portland beds, and in the Vale of Gloucester the Lias and Oolites claimed his attention. Fossil insects, however, formed the subject of his special studies history of the fossil insects of the secondary rocks of England, 1845, and many of his published papers relate to them. He was an active member of the Codess Old Naturalists Club and of the Warwickshire Natural History and Archaeological Society, and in 1854 he was chief founder of the Warwickshire Naturalists and Archaeologists Field Club. In 1887 the on Medal was awarded to him by the Geological Society of London. He died at Rowington, on the 1st of November 1897. See memoir by H.P. Woodward in Geological Magazine, 1897, page 481 with portrait, Brody, a town of Austria, in Galicia, 62 meters E of Lemberg by rail, Pop, 1917.360, of which about two-thirds are Jews. It is situated near the Russian frontier, and has been one of the most important commercial centers in Galicia, especially for the trade with Russia. But since 1879, when its charter as a free commercial city was withdrawn, its trade has also greatly diminished. Brody was created a town in 1684, and was raised to the rank of a free commercial city in 1779. B.R.O.E.K.H.U.I.Z.N. Jan Van Janus B.R.O.U.K.H.U.S.I.U.S. 1649-1707, Dutch classical scholar and poet, was born on the 20th of November 1649, at Amsterdam, having lost his father when very young, he was placed with an apothecary, with whom he lived several years, not liking this employment, he entered the army, and in 1674 was sent with his regiment to America, in the fleet under Admiral de Rier, but returned to Holland the same year. In 1678 he was sent to the garrison at Utrecht, where he contracted a friendship with the celebrated Grievous. Here he had the misfortune to be so deeply implicated in a duel that, according to the laws of Holland, his life was forfeited. Grievous, however, wrote immediately to Nicholas Hainsies, who obtained his pardon. Not long afterwards he became a captain of one of the companies then at Amsterdam. After the Peace of Ryswick, 1697, his company was disbanded and he retired on a pension to a country house near Amsterdam and pursued his classical and literary studies at leisure. His Dutch poems, in which he followed the model of Peter Hooft, were first published in 1677, a later edition, with a biography by D. Van Hoogstraten, appeared in 1712. 
the last edition, 1883, was edited by R.A. Colwyn. His classical reputation rests on his editions of Properties 1702 and Tybolus 1707. His Latin poems Carmina appeared in 1684, a later edition poem by D. Van Hoogstraten appeared in 1711. The select letters Johnny Braucusi Epistoli Selecti, 1889 and 1893 were edited by J.A. Worth, who also wrote his biography, 1891. Broek died on the 15th of December 1707. Broeger, Waldemar C.H.R.I.S.T.O.F. for 1851, Norwegian geologist, was born in Christiania on the 10th of November 1851, and educated in that city. In 1876 he was appointed curator of the Geological Museum in his native city, and assistant on the Geological Survey. He was professor of mineralogy and geology from 1881 to 1890 in the University of Stockholm, and from 1890 in the University of Christiania. He also became rector and president of the Senate of the Royal University of Christiania. His observations on the igneous rocks of South Tyrol compared with those of Christiania afford much information on the relations of the granitic and basic rocks. The subject of the differentiation of rock types in the process of solidification as plutonic or volcanic rocks from a particular magma received much attention from him. He dealt also with the Paleozoic rocks of Norway, and with the late glacial and post-glacial changes of level in the Christiania region. The honorary degree of Ph.D. was conferred upon him by the University of Heidelberg and that of LL.D. by the University of Glasgow. The Mirschison Medal of the Geological Society of London was awarded to him in 1891. BROGLI. The name of a noble French family which, originally Piedmontese, emigrated to France in the year 1643. The head of the family, Francois Marie 1611-1656 then took the title of Comte de Broly. He had already distinguished himself as a soldier, and died, as a lieutenant general, at the siege of Valenza on 2 July 1656. His son, Victor Morris, Cielandie de Brogli 1647-1727, served under Condé, Turin and other great commanders of the age of Louis Xivi, becoming Marshal de Camp in 1676, lieutenant general in 1688 and finally Marshal of France in 1724, the eldest son of Victor Marie, François-Marie, afterwards Duke de Brogli 1671-1745, entered the army at an early age, and had a varied career of active service before he was made, at the age of 23, Lieutenant Colonel of the King's Regiment of Cavalry, he served continuously in the War of the Spanish Succession and was present at Malplaquet, he was made Lieutenant General in 1710, and served with Villers in the last campaign of the war and at the Battle of Dename. During the peace he continued in military employment, and in 1719 he was made Director General of Cavalry and Dragoons. He was also employed in diplomatic missions, and was ambassador in England in 1724. The war in Italy called him into the field again in 1733, and in the following year he was made Marshal of France. In the campaign of 1734 he was one of the chief commanders on the French side and he fought the battles of Parma and Guestalla. A famous episode was his narrow personal escape when his quarters on the Secchia were raided by the enemy on the night of the 14th of September 1734. In 1735 he directed a war of positions with credit, but he was soon replaced by Marshal de Noailles. He was Governor-General of Alsace when Frederick the Great paid a secret visit to Strasbourg 1740, 
In 1742 de Broglie was appointed to command the French army in Germany, but such powers as he had possessed were failing him, and he had always been the man of small means, safe and cautious, but lacking in elasticity and daring. The only success obtained was in the action of Sadhai 25th May 1742, for which he was made a duke. He returned to France in 1743, and died two years later. His son, Victor Francois, Duc de Biarogli 1718-1804, served with his father at Parma and Guestalot, and in 1734 obtained a colonelcy. In the German war he took part in the storming of Prague in 1742, and was made a brigadier. In 1744 and 1745 he saw further service on the Rhine, and in 1756 he was made Marshal de Camp. He subsequently served with Marshal Saxe in the Low Countries, and was present at Ruku, Val and Maastricht. At the end of the war he was made a lieutenant general. During the Seven Years' War he served successively under Destries, Sabis and Contavs, being present at all the battles from Hastendek onwards. His victory over Prince Ferdinand at Bergen 1759 won him the rank of Marshal of France from his own sovereign and that of Prince of the Empire from the Emperor Francis I. In 1760 he won an action at Korbach, but was defeated at Bellinghausen in 1761. After the war he fell into disgrace and was not recalled to active employment until 1778, when he was given command of the troops designed to operate against England. He played a prominent part in the revolution which he opposed with determination. After his emigration, de Broglie commanded the army of the princes for a short time 1792. He died at Muenster in 1804. Another son of the first duke, Charles Francois, C.O.M.D.E. de Biarogli 1719-1781, served for some years in the army, and afterwards became one of the foremost diplomatists in the service of Louis Exby. He is chiefly remembered in connection with the secret du Roy, the private, as distinct from the official, diplomatic service of Louis, of which he was the ablest and most important member, the son of Victor Francois, Victor Claude, Prince de Biarogli 1757-1794, served in the army, attaining the rank of Marshal de Camp, he adopted revolutionary opinions, served with Lafayette and Rockingo in America, was a member of the Jacobin Club, and sat in the Constituent Assembly, constantly voting on the liberal side. He served as chief of the staff to the Republican army on the Rhine, but in the terror he was denounced, arrested and executed at Paris on the 27th of June 1794. His dying admonition to his little son was to remain V.04P.0627 faithful to the principles of the revolution, however unjust and ungrateful. ACHILLE Charles Elioncia Victor, Duke de Biarogli 1785-1870, statesman and diplomatist son of the last named, was born at Paris on the 28th of November 1785. His mother had shared her husband's imprisonment, but managed to escape to Switzerland, where she remained till the fall of Robespierre. She now returned to Paris with her children and lived there quietly until 1796, when she married a M. Bergenson, grandson of Louis XV. Single quote as Minister of War. Under the care of his stepfather Young de Broglie received a careful and liberal education and made his entree into the aristocratic and literary society of Paris under the Empire. In 1809, he was appointed a member of the Council of State, over which Napoleon presided in person, and was sent by the Emperor on diplomatic missions, as attaché, to various countries, though he had never been in sympathy with the principles of the Empire. 
De Broly was not one of those who rejoiced at its downfall. In common with all men of experience and sense he realized the danger to France of the rise to power of the forces of violent reaction. With Decazes and Richelieu he saw that the only hope for a calm future lay in the reconciliation of the restoration with the revolution. By the influence of his uncle, Prince Amiti de Broly, his right to a peerage had been recognized, and to his own great surprise he received, in June 1814, a summons from Louis XVII to the Chamber of Peers. There, after the Hundred Days, he distinguished himself by his courageous defense of Marshal Northeastie, for whose acquittal he, alone of all the peers, both spoke and voted. After this defiant act of opposition it was perhaps fortunate that his impending marriage gave him an excuse for leaving the country. On the 15th of February 1816, he was married at Leghorn to the daughter of Madame de Stahl. He returned to Paris at the end of the year, but took no part in politics until the elections of September 1817 broke the power of the ultra-royalists and substituted for the Chambray introvable a moderate assembly. De Broly's political attitude during the years that followed is best summed up in his own words, from 1812 to 1822 all the efforts of men of sense and character were directed to reconciling the restoration and the revolution, the old regime and the new France, from 1822 to 1827 all their efforts were directed to resisting the growing power of the counter-revolution. From 1827 to 1830 all their efforts aimed at moderating and regulating the reaction in a contrary sense. During the last critical years of Charles X.S reign, de Broly identified himself with the doctrinaires, among whom Royer Collard and Guizot were the most prominent. The July Revolution placed him in a difficult position, he knew nothing of the intrigues which placed Louis Philippe on the throne, but, the revolution once accomplished, he was ready to uphold the fait accompli with characteristic loyalty and on the 9th of August took office in the new government as Minister of Public Worship and Education. As he had foreseen, the ministry was short-lived, and on the 2nd of November he was once more out of office. During the critical time that followed he consistently supported the principles which triumphed with the fall of Lafitte and the accession to power of Casimir Perrier in March 1832. After the death of the latter and the insurrection of June 1832, de Broly took office once more as Minister for Foreign Affairs October 11th. His tenure of the foreign office was coincident with a very critical period in international relations, but for the sympathy of Great Britain under Palmerston, the July monarchy would have been completely isolated in Europe, and the sympathy the aggressive policy of France in Belgium and on the Mediterranean coast of Africa had been in danger of alienating. The Belgian crisis had been settled, so far as the two powers were concerned, before de Broly took office, but the concerted military and naval action for the coercion of the Dutch which led to the French occupation of Antwerp, was carried out under his auspices, the good understanding of which this was the symbol characterized also the relations of de Broly and Palmerston during the crisis of the First War of Mithimithali Cudi with the port, and in the affairs of the Spanish peninsula their common sympathy with constitutional liberty led to an agreement for common action, which took shape in the treaty of alliance between Great Britain, France, Spain and Portugal. Signed at London on the 22nd of April 1834, de Broly had retired from office in the March preceding, and did not return to power till March of the following year, when he became head of the cabinet. In 1836, the government having been defeated on a proposal to reduce the five percents, he once more resigned, and never returned to official life. He had remained in power long enough to prove what honesty of purpose, experience of affairs, 
and common sense can accomplish when allied with authority. The debt that France and Europe out him may be measured by comparing the results of his policy with that of his successors under not dissimilar circumstances. He had found France isolated and Europe full of the rumors of war, he left her strong in the English alliance and the respect of liberal Europe, and Europe freed from the restless apprehensions which were to be stirred into a life again by the attitude of Thiers in the Eastern question and of Guizot in the affair of the Spanish marriages. From 1836 to 1848 de Broglie held almost completely aloof from politics, to which his scholarly temperament little inclined him. A disinclination strengthened by the death of his wife on the 22nd of September 1838, his friendship for Guizot, however, induced him to accept a temporary mission in 1845, and in 1847 to go as French ambassador to London. The revolution of 1848 was a great blow to him for he realized that it meant the final ruin of the liberal monarchy in his view the political system best sweet to France. He took his seat, however, in the Republican National Assembly and in the Convention of 1848, and, as a member of the section known as the Purgraves, did his best to stem the tide of socialism and to avert the reaction in favor of autocracy which he foresaw. He shared with his colleagues the indignity of the coup d'etat of the 2nd of December 1851 and remained for the remainder of his life one of the bitterest enemies of the imperial regime, though he was heard to a remark, with that caustic wit for which he was famous, that the empire was the government which the poorer classes in France desired and the rich deserved. The last twenty years of his life were devoted chiefly to philosophical and literary pursuits, having been brought up by his stepfather in the skeptical opinions of the time. He gradually arrived at a sincere belief in the Christian religion. I shall die said he, a penitent Christian and an impenitent liberal. His literary works, though few of them had been published, were rewarded in 1856 by a seat in the French Academy, and he was also a member of another branch of the French Institute, the Academy of Moral and Political Science. In the labors of those learned bodies he took an active and assiduous part. He died on the 25th of January 1870, besides his souvenirs, in four volumes, Paris. 1885-1888, the Duc de Broglie left numerous works, of which only some have been published, of these may be mentioned Ecrit Discours three volumes, Paris, 1863, Olibre et Limpoc Paris, 1879, Voice sur Gouvernement de la France Paris, 1861, this last was confiscated before publication by the imperial government, see Guizot, Au Duc de Broglie Paris, 1870, and Memoirs Paris, 1858-1867, and the histories of Throdangian and Duvergier de Auern, shot Victor Albert, Duc de Biarogli 1821-1901, his eldest son, was born at Paris on the 13th of June 1821, after a brief diplomatic career at Madrid and Rome, the revolution of 1848 caused him to withdraw from public life and devote himself to a literature. He had already published a translation of the religious system of Leibniz 1846. He now at once made his mark by his contributions to the Revue des Deux Mondes and the Orleanist and Clerical Organal Correspondent, which were afterwards collected under the titles of Adudes Morales et Literaires 1853 and Questions to Religion et Pistoire 1860. These were supplemented in 1869 by a volume of Nouvelles Adudes de Literature et de Morale. His leg lice at L'Empire Romano of Cicla 1856-1866 brought him the succession to a Lacordaire seat in the Academy in 1862. In 1870 he succeeded his father in the dukedom, 
having previously been known as the Prince de Broly. In the following year he was elected to the National V.04P.062 Assembly for the Department of the URI, and a few days later on the 19th of February was appointed ambassador in London, but in March 1872, in consequence of criticisms upon his negotiations concerning the commercial treaties between England and France, he resigned his post and took his seat in the National Assembly, where he became the leading spirit of the monarchical campaign against Thiers. On the replacement of the latter by Marshal McMahon, the Duc de Broly became President of the Council and Minister for Foreign Affairs May 1873, but in the reconstruction of the ministry on the 26th of November, after the passing of the Septennate, transferred himself to the Ministry of the Interior. His tenure of office was marked by an extreme conservatism, which roused the bitter hatred of the Republicans, while he alienated the Legitimist Party by his friendly relations with the Bonapartists and the Bonapartists by an attempt to effect a compromise between the rival claimants to the monarchy. The result was the fall of the cabinet on the 16th of May 1874. Three years later on the 16th of May 1877 he was entrusted with the formation of a new cabinet, with the object of appealing to the country and securing a new chamber more favorable to the reactionaries than its predecessor had been. The result, however, was a decisive Republican majority. The Duc de Broly was defeated in his own district and resigned office on the 20th of November. Not being re-elected in 1885, he abandoned politics and reverted to his historical work, publishing a series of historical studies and biographies written in a most pleasing style, and especially valuable for their extensive documentation. He died in Paris on the 19th of January 1901, besides editing the souvenirs of his father 1886, and see the memoirs of Teller and 1891 and see, and the letters of the Duchess Albertine de Broly 1896. He published Au Secret du Roy, Correspondence Secrete de Louis XV of ex Southeast's Agents Diplomatiques, 1752-1774-1878, Frederick I. I. et Marie Therese 1883, Frederick I. I. et Louis XV 1885, Marie Therese Imperatrice 1888, Alper Le Cordaire 1889, Maurice de Saxe et le Marquis d'Urgenson 1891, Lope de la Chapelle 1892, Le Lyons 1895, La Mission, de M. de Gonta Pirana Berlin 1896, Voltaire et Pendant la Guerre de Septence 1898, Saint Ambroise, translated by Margaret Maitland in the series of The Saints 1899, Brogue, one a of raw leather from the Gale, Brogue, a shoe worn in the wilder parts of Ireland and the Scottish Highlands to a dialectical accent or pronunciation of uncertain origin, especially used of the Irish accent in speaking English. B.R.O.H.A.N. Augustine S.U.S.A.N.N.E. 1807-1887, French actress, was born in Paris on the 22nd of January 1807. She entered the Conservatoire at the age of 11, and took the second prize for comedy in 1820, and the first in 1821. She served her apprenticeship in the provinces making her first Paris appearance at the Odeon in 1832 as Dorian in Tartuffe. Her success there and elsewhere brought her a summons to the Comédie Française, where she made her debut on the 15th of February 1834, as Madeleine in Elles Precieuses Ridicules, and Suzanne in Mariage de Figaro. She retired in 1842, and died on the 16th of August 1887. Her elder daughter, Josephine Ethelicide Augustine Broha in 1824-1893, was admitted to the Conservatoire when very young, 
twice taking the second prize for comedy, the Sabret part, entrusted for more than 150 years at the Comédie Française to a succession of artists of the first rank, was at the moment without a representative, and Mia Augustine Brohan made her debut there on the 19th of May 1841, as Dorian Tartuffe, and lies in Rivaud du Mems, she was immediately admitted pensionnaire, and at the end of 18 months unanimously elected societaire, she soon became a great favorite, not only in the plays of Moliere and de Regnard, but also in those of Marivaux. On her retirement from the stage in 1866, she made an unhappy marriage with Edmund David de Guise de 1885, secretary to the Belgian legation in Paris, Suzanne Brohan's second daughter, Yemilae Madeleine de Roha in 1833-1900, also took first prize for comedy at the Conservatoire 1850. She was engaged at once by the Comédie Française, but instead of making her debut in some play of the repertoire of the theatre, the management put on for her benefit a new comedy by Scribe and Lagouf, Els Constellarain de Navarre, in which she created the part of Marguerite on the 1st of September 1850. Her talents and beauty made her a success from the first, and in less than two years from her debut she was elected societaire. In 1853 she married Mario Ricard from whom she was soon separated, and in 1858 she returned to the Comédie Française in leading parts, until her retirement in 1886. Her name is associated with a great number of plays, besides those in the classical repertoire, notably Omandu Lanzangui, Pardroit de Conquit, Els du Vieux, and Alain Amuru, in which, as the Marquise de Maupas, she had one of her greatest successes, Broke, or Brooke, Arthur D. 1563. English author, wrote the first English version of the story of Romeo and Juliet, the tragical history of Romeo's and Juliet 1562 is a rhymed account of the story, taken, not directly from Bandello's collection of novels 1554, but from the French translation Histoires Tragiques of Pierre Boisdieu or Boisdieu, surnamed Lonnie, and François de Belleforest, broke adds some detail to the story as told by Boisdieu as the poem contains many scenes which are not known to exist elsewhere, but which were adopted by Shakespeare in Romeo and Juliet. There is no reasonable doubt that it may be regarded as the main source of the play. Broke perished by shipwreck in 1563, on his way from New Haven to join the English troops fighting on the Huguenot side in France, the genesis of the Juliet story, and a close comparison of Shakespeare's play with Broke's version are to be found in a reprint of the poem and of William Painter's prose translation from the Palace of Pleasure, edited by Mr. P. A. Daniel for the New Shakespeare Society 1875, Broke, Sir Philip Mosbiari, Bart, 1776-1841, British Rear Admiral, was born at Broke Hall, near Ipswich, on the 9th of September 1776, a member of an old Suffolk family, entering the Navy in June 1792. He saw active service in the Mediterranean from 1793 to 1795, and was with the British fleet at the Battle of Cape Street Vincent, 1797. In 1798 he was present at the defeat and capture of the French squadron off the north coast of Ireland. From 1799 to 1801 he served with the North Sea Fleet, and in the latter year was made captain, and employed for the next four years. He commanded in 1805 a frigate in the English and Irish Channels. In 1806 he was appointed to the command of the Shannon, 38-gun frigate, remaining afloat, principally in the Bay of Biscay, till 1811. The Shannon was then ordered to Halifax, 
Nova Scotia, for a year after the declaration of war between Great Britain and the United States in 1812, the frigate saw no important service, though she captured several prizes, Broke utilized this period of comparative inactivity to train his men thoroughly. He paid particular attention to gunnery, and the Shannon ere long gained a unique reputation for excellence of shooting. Broke's opportunity came in 1813. In May of that year the Shannon was cruising off Boston, watching the Chesapeake, an American frigate of the same nominal force but heavier armament. On the 1st of June Broke, finding his water supply getting low, wrote to Lawrence, the commander of the Chesapeake, asking for a meeting between the two ships, stating the Shannon's force, and guaranteeing that no other British ship should take part in the engagement, before this letter could be delivered. However, the Chesapeake, under full sail, ran out of Boston Harbor, crowds of pleasure boats accompanying her to witness the engagement, broke briefly addressed his men, don't cheer, he concluded, go quietly to your quarters, I feel sure you will all do your duty. As the Chesapeake rounded to on the Shannon's weather quarter, at a distance of about 50 yards, the British frigate received her with a broadside. A hundred of the Chesapeake's crew were struck down at once, Lawrence himself being mortally wounded. A second broadside, equally well aimed, increased the confusion, and, her tiller ropes being shot away, the American frigate drifted foul of the Shannon. Broke sprang on board with some 60 of his men following him. After a brief struggle V.04P.0629 the fight was over. Within 15 minutes of the firing of the first shot, the Chesapeake struck her flag, but broke himself was seriously wounded. For his services he was rewarded with a baronetki, and subsequently was made a KCB. His exploit captivated the public fancy, and his popular title of Brave Broke gives the standard by which his action was judged. Its true significance, however, lies deeper. Broke's victory was due not so much to courage as to foe.